Good morning. Let's take our Bibles and turn to 2 Samuel 7 and verse 18. My name is Bob Burris. My wife and I have attended here for five years. I was a pastor in Evangelical Free Churches for 36 years. And now I work for Training Leaders International, and I go to Africa mostly and train pastors. And um, I hurt my shoulder about two months ago lifting weights in the gym and had surgery, so two more weeks. And it's amazing how many of you guys have had the same thing happen. Rotator cuffs. I've heard about rotator cuffs and biceps and all kinds of things. So it's good to be here. Um, let's, let's pray. And I'm going to be praying from Ephesians chapter 1, beginning verse, verse 15. I'll be praying with my eyes open, and if you want to follow along, you have my permission to open your eyes in prayer. For all the great things you have done, our Father, and for all the great things you have done in our midst here at Christ Community Church, and because you love the saints, I want to pray for myself and pray for us this morning Verse 17, that you, our Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowing you. Father, we ask that you would open our eyes, the eyes of our hearts. We've heard these things hundreds and hundreds of times, and we confess and we repent of our boredom and the fact that we're not simply overwhelmed by the hope that is ours because you've called us. We have riches in heaven. And Father, right now you are pouring out an immeasurable power toward us, the same power that worked in Christ. And so we ask that you would help us to understand this and that your spirit would work in our hearts. As we talk about prayer this morning, uh, we are the body of Christ. We are the great manifestation of unity and the glory of your grace. By your counsel and your wisdom, you have appointed Christ's community church for this. And so we ask your help that we do it. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. We're talking about prayer this morning from 2 Samuel 7. This is the great prayer of David that follows God's message to him from Nathan the prophet that, no, David, you're not to build a temple. Uh, I never asked you to do it, and I've been with you, and I've given you success, and I've done all these things. You're not going to build a house for me. Somebody else is going to build that house, but what I'm going to do for you, David, is I'm going to build a lasting, massive legacy, and from your body is going to come a king who's going to reign forever. And last week we saw that this was filled in the Lord Jesus Christ. The angel Gabriel came to Mary and said, the baby that you're going to give birth to by a miraculous work of the Spirit, is going to be this king, and he's going to reign forever. And now 2,000 years later, we look back, and we see that this king came 
in a very unexpected, but they should have known, way, who died, who was born the perfect God-man, and died as a substitute for our sins, and he rose again, and now he's reigning as king, and he is our king. And so David came to understand this, and it causes him to pray. And he goes probably to the to the tabernacle that has just entered into Jerusalem, and he sits before the Lord, and I believe in a public way offers this prayer, which is instructive for us. I want to change the way you pray. Uh, I'll just be upfront about it. I think we've learned to pray intuitively by hearing others pray instead of going to the Word of God. And the Word of God has amazing instructions for us on how to pray. And it's, it's many times not the way we pray. Just be honest. I may offend you. Come up afterwards. I was a pastor for 36 years. I'm really good at offending people. So just come up, you know, say pastor, whatever. But, um, and then show me from the Bible. I would love to be shown. Um, I, I can't think of most of our prayers, frankly, let's just, we'll just jump in here. Most of our prayers are dominated by health concerns. And, and that's understandable. The world, Africa, that's where I go, dominated by health prayers. However, in the Bible, I can only think of a couple of health prayers. Numbers chapter 12, you know, Moses is Aaron and his sister, older sister, Miriam and Aaron are you know, working out this coup thing where they don't want him to only hear from God. We can hear from God, blah, blah, blah. And God afflicts his sister with leprosy. And Moses says only five words in this chapter, heal her, Lord, I pray. That's a prayer for healing. However, I think we can tie that in to the plan and the purposes of God with Aaron and Miriam. So it's a prayer for health, but there's, a, there's an end game to it. And for Hezekiah also, he prays. So what we're going to do is we're going to jump into the text. We're going to read the text and then jump into it, explain it, and then nine things about praying. And um, so let's read it um, together. Second uh, Samuel 7, verse 18. Lord, open our eyes. Then King David went in and he sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me thus far? And yet, this was a small thing in your eyes, O Lord God. You have spoken also of your servant's house for a great while to come. And this is instruction for mankind, O Lord God. And, and what more can David say to you? For you know your servant, O Lord God, because of your promise, and according to your own heart, you have brought about all this greatness to make your servant know it. Therefore, you are great, O Lord God, and there is none like you, and there is no God beside you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And, and who is like your people Israel, the one nation on earth whom God went to redeem to be his people, making himself a name and doing for them great and awesome things? 
by driving out before your people whom you redeemed for yourself from Egypt, a nation and its gods. And you establish for yourself your people Israel to be your people forever. And you, O Lord, became their God. And now, O Lord God, confirm forever the word that you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house, and do as you have spoken, and your name will be magnified forever, saying, the Lord of hosts is God over Israel, and the house of your servant David will be established before you. For you, O Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, have made this revelation to your servant, saying, I will build you a house. Therefore, your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. And now, O Lord God, you are God, and your words are true, and you have promised this good thing to your servant. Now, therefore, may it please you to bless the house of your servant so that it may continue forever before you. For you, O Lord God, have spoken, and with your blessing shall be the house of your servant be blessed forever. Back to verse 18. David hears from Nathan. Nathan's told him about his house, and there'll be a king forever. And David's putting the pieces together. And Nathan's also told him that God was with him in the battles, and God has given him rest and peace. And now David goes and he sits before the tabernacle, probably in a public way, and he prays and he says, Who am I, O Lord God? I, I'm a big nothing. You are a something. And what is my house that you have brought me thus far? Why in the world would you have chosen me and brought me to this place of peace in Jerusalem and the tabernacle Verse 19, and yet this was a small thing in your eyes, O Lord God. That was nothing. You have spoken also of your servant's house for a great while to come. You've not only done this, but now your word has come and said these things are going to happen in the future. For a great while to come is an understatement. He, God said forever. He says it three times, forever, forever. My loving kindness will not depart, forever. And this is instruction for mankind, O Lord God. David's putting the pieces together. If this is a king and he's going to reign forever, everybody needs to know about this. The 3.2 billion people that are on the face of the planet right now who have never heard the name of Jesus and have no access to hearing the name of Jesus need to hear. This is instruction for mankind. And so we need high school students to begin preparing to go to the hard places. We need college students. We need retired people. I, I didn't see Ted this morning. He's back from Japan, I hear. Bless him for going. We need to use the massive wealth in America to reach the nations. And the reason there's 3.2 billion is because they're the hard places. The hard places. The places where you have to learn the language, and cross barriers, and, and go to tribes and people, 
and get sick and not have medical care. It's difficult. It's hard work. And David, David's making that connection. This is instruction for mankind, O Lord God. Verse 20, and what more can David say to you? For you know your servant, O Lord. I, you know, I talked about this temple, and I think I, I, think I need to, does anyone know Clampett Barn? Sew it up, Barney, you know, from maybe or nobody, any hands? Andy, Mayberry, Barney talks, there we go, there we go. Some of us are in the know. <laughs> David's like, ooh. You know me, verse 21, and you made promises. And according to your own heart and own desires, you have brought about all this greatness to make your servant know it. David understands what God has said to him, and he's, he's just overwhelmed because of your promise. Look at verse 21 again. And according to your own heart, this is God's plan. This is God's work. Your own heart, you have brought about all this greatness to make your servant know it. And this greatness is for the glory of his name. When you see name, we sang the name of Jesus. In Africa, they think there's power in just saying the name. They just say Jesus, Jesus Yahweh, 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 Father, Father. They, and when I tell them, no, 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 no. Saying the name does not unleash power. The name of Jesus is the fame of Jesus. When you see name, think fame. It's who he is. Yes, there's power in the fame of Jesus, in who he is and what he's promised to do. Yes, there's power to forgive. There's power to change. He sends his spirit to us. But just saying the name, that's African tribalism. It is, it is quite interesting, and since we're talking about prayer, let's make a little, this is a free side comment. When I go to Africa, it's very clear to me that tribal witchcraft and paganism has, along with, in, in Sierra Leone, along with the Muslim beliefs, have been syncretized, have been brought in to the churches. And they believe and think ways that you would think when you lived in a tribe somewhere out in a village and you had a witch doctor. And so pastors, they have power over evil that you don't have. And if you come and you give them money, they can control the evil powers. That's, that, so they, they've, they've, they've taken and syncretized the culture into the religion, and we've done the same thing. And it's so obvious to me. A lot of times I come back and I just... I'm just, I'm frankly just overwhelmed at how much it's so good to go outside and to learn. Let's keep reading. Because of your promise, according to your own heart, you brought about this greatness to make your servant know it. Therefore, you are great. You are great. There is none like you, and there's no God beside you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. Jeremiah riffs on this in Jeremiah chapter 10, 6 and 7. You can read it later. Write that down. And who is like your people Israel? So now 
God has called Israel to himself. He is great, and now he makes Israel great. Who is like your people Israel? The one nation on earth whom God went to redeem to be his people. That's not us. We, we are his people, but we are the church. We are not the nation of Israel. But what has he done? He's made himself a name. He's made himself famous and doing for them great and awesome things by driving out before your people whom you redeemed for yourself from Egypt, a nation and its God. And you established for yourself and your people Israel to be your people forever. And you, O Lord, became their God for the fame of his name. He brought them out of Egypt. And he, he, he says this in Exodus. He says, I did this. I mean, he could have, why didn't he just jump to the 10th plague? Why did he start a go through nine? For the fame of his name, to show that he is great and he is glorious. That's why they suffered, to show that he is great and glorious. So he called the people to himself so the world would see how great he was. He has called us, the church, to himself to show how great he is. And when the church functions the way the church should function, it brings glory to his name and it proclaims the greatness of his grace to the supernatural world. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 10. That's the purpose of the church. That's our purpose to show unity and love and the grace of God. And as we do this, we are proclaiming to the universe how great God is. That's our role. You are great, O oh God, not us. You have called this people to yourself. Do you recognize how privileged we are to be part of Christ Community Church? There's not many churches that preach through books. We're going right through 2 Samuel. I can give you 30 reasons why this is a preferred method, why this is a great method. You just, you just go right through the scripture. Our staff, we have, we have a wonderful, our elders, the people. I've never met so many nice people in my life. <laughs> it's true. This church is a gift, not only to us, but as we do what God has called us to do in unity and grace and love, we are proclaiming to the universe the greatness of God, and that pleases him. Let's keep reading. And now, verse 25, he, he pivots. He's gonna, now he's going to make requests. And now, O Lord God, confirm forever the word that you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house, and do as you have spoken. He's asking God to do what God said he would do. Do you see this? Well, why do you need to ask God? to do what God said he would do, what, isn't he going to do it anyway? Verse 26, and your name will be magnified forever, saying, so David just goes into this theology of why God needs to do and why he's praying to God to do what God said he would do. The Lord of hosts is God over Israel, and the house of your servant David will be established before you. For you, O Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, have made this revelation to your servant, saying, I will build you a house. Therefore, your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. Prayer in the Bible almost every single time. In fact, I could argue for every single time is a request for God to keep his promise. And this week, wow, it's rocked my world. The commands of God are his promises. 
I mean, he makes clear-cut promises, but the, also the commands of God are his promises. So let, let's just use one, for example, thou shalt, thou shalt not lie. Tells us, tell the truth, don't be liars. So we're thinking about that, that commandment. We're thinking, well, if I lie, we always lie or we break his commands because we think we're smarter than God and things will go better for us if we do it our way and not his way, and we're always wrong. So when he says, don't lie, be a truth teller, it is for our good. It is for our good that we follow the promises of God. So uh, this, this command of God is, is all bundled up in his promise. And so what do we pray? Lord, I'm being tempted to not tell the truth. And I know you've told me to tell the truth. And then I should tell the truth. And that you will bless me if I tell the truth. And so, Lord, help me to tell the truth so that I can be who you've called me to be and consistent with the Lord Jesus Christ who's dwelling within me. And we know this, when you don't tell the truth, how do you feel? When you do something online that you know you shouldn't do, how does it make you feel? And how does, it gets worse. The, the commands of God are, are, are promises. I know that, that has rocked my world. There's a lot more promises than I thought there were. And David is praying the promises of God. I have found courage to pray this, pray this prayer to you. And now, O oh Lord God, this is verse 28, you are God. Your words are true. And you have promised this good thing to your servant. Now, therefore, may it please you to bless the house of your servant so that it, it may continue forever before you. This is kind of a strategic prayer. If your house is going to continue before you, stri to strategically, God, you need to, to bless the house so it can continue. He's asking to do what God has promised to do. For you, O Lord, have spoken, and with your blessing shall the house of your servant be blessed forever. All right, nine things. Number one, the word of the Lord is shocking. David is absolutely shocked and in awe. Nathan comes to him with the word of the Lord, and David's like, who am I, O Lord God? What is my house? You've talked things in the future, and I'm just overwhelmed by your word to me. We have to get to that place. Somehow, to pray rightly, we have to get to the place where God's word is shocking. I've been a Christian, I think, for 62 years, probably. I've heard it thousands of times. I won't tell you how many undergrad units of Bible psychology, too, and graduate. I mean, I have heard it thousands of times. We have to pray that God would give us a sense of awe. That's what the prayer this morning from Ephesians 1 was. Give us eyes to see this. Lord, this, this should shock me. This should move me. This should excite me, and it's not. And so I confess that sin to you, and I pray that you open my eyes to see it. Number two, David is immediately humbled. Do you see this? The word of God comes to him. He sees this tent in a new light. Who cares about building this temple? God has an incredible plan, and I am humbled. Uh, who am I, he says, 
Who am I? Number three, David sees the massive implications of God's word. Jesus is the eternal king of the universe, and 3.2 billion people have no idea. We got a plan. We got a plan to go to hard places, and it's hard. It's hard to go to hard places. We need places like Radius down in Escondido. It's a whole ministry, and it's the, the whole ministry is to, I'll just say it crudely, is to take snowflake Americans and harden them up so they can go to hard places. It's hard. I, I have a friend who went to Liberia with his family for a year and three months. He, he, was, he lived in Mongolia for five years, and he said Liberia was harder than Mongolia. It's hard. We need to support and pray and help. And we need to tell people, it's hard. Yes, we want you to go to Japan, one of the greatest unreached people groups in the world. And it's going to be hard and difficult. And you're going to get depressed. And you're going to fight with other missionaries. That's just the reality. It's not easy. It's hard. But it's worth it. It's worth it. Number four, the immensity of God's program causes David to see himself as a servant of God's agenda. Ten times in this prayer, I am your servant, I am your servant, I am your servant. You're not, you're not, you're not the waiter who caters to all my needs, God. I am the servant who does what you've called me to do. I am the servant, you are the king. You are the Lord God. He says Lord God, I think, seven times. Number five, I've already said it, but you need to write it down. Pray the Bible. The Bible and prayer go together. Actually, this is your prayer Bible is what this is. You pray, you read, and you pray. You read, and you pray. They go together. Acts chapter 6, the elders gave themselves to the ministry of prayer and the word. Prayer and the word. Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to prayer. Paul says in 1 Timothy 4, it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Now, peanut, and butter, peanut butter and jelly go together, don't they? Yeah. I mean, some people, I mean, I've had peanut butter sandwiches without jelly. Wasn't that great? I prefer jelly with my peanut butter, but you can take them apart. They, they work you know, I, I'll, your dog will have peanut butter all by itself. But there are some things that just go together. They can't be separated. You know, the guy and the girl, they start dating, and, you know, he falls in love, and one day he says to her, I love you. And she's thinking to herself, well, I like you a lot, but awkward, you know, just note, wait until you think she'll say the same thing. They go together. I love you and I love you too. Just the way I promise goes with I trust you. Just like in Isaiah 6, who's going to go? And Isaiah says, I'll go. They go together. The Bible and prayer 
go together. Number six, we pray for tomorrow and we pray for the future. When he answers, it causes us to give thanks and experience reality the way it was meant to be experienced. Everything is owing to God. And so we pray to God. And he said, Jesus says in the model prayer, give us this day, this day our daily bread. Before it comes, give it to us so that when you work and give it to us, we know and we can appreciate that it came to you in answer. It came to us by an answer to prayer. So we pray about everything. That's why he says, pray about everything. Pray for tomorrow. Pray to the future. That's what David does. He prays for the future. Lord, you need to do this. You need to follow through on your promise. Pray for tomorrow and the future. That's six. Seven is the answers to prayer sometimes are yes. Sometimes they're no. Sometimes they're wait. Wait, not yet. Sometimes the answer to prayer is you prayed for this. I'm not going to give you that, but I'm going to give you this. That's a great answer to prayer. The Spirit helps our weaknesses. We don't know how to pray as we should. But sometimes God is storing up your prayers. Read Revelation 8, and that, those prayers are incense that unfolds the history of the world. So pray big prayers. You may not see it, but he's storing those prayers up. Number eight, give God reasons for your prayer. Argue with God. Remember, his commands are promises. Give, this is, what, this is what David does here. He gives God reasons. That's what Moses does. God is going to wipe them out, and Moses is wipe out the, the people of Israel because they're so wicked, a golden cow, and, you know, the thing went, went south fast. God says, you know what, Moses, just step to the side. We're going to have some lightning and some fire. And, and Moses says, wait, 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 wait. You, you, this was his argument, you are great, and you called this people to yourself to show your greatness, and the nations are going to look at this if you do this, and they're going to think that you weren't powerful enough to bring them into the land. So he's kind of, he's using the Bible to argue with God, and God doesn't destroy them. Was John chapter 17, Jesus' prayer. He says, I'm paraphrasing, glorify, glorify me so I can glorify you in my death, burial, and resurrection. Did God already say that he was going to glorify Christ? Did God plan from eternity past that Jesus would be born and that he would die and rise from again and glorify God so that the whole creation could see how wonderful he is? Yes. Did Jesus, this, this should boggle your mind. Did Jesus pray that what God already said would come true? The answer is yes. I, I have some answers for it. I don't have enough time to go through them. But. And then Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a king of Israel, and Israel was wicked, and God sent the Assyrians and Sennacherib down. They surrounded, and God said, I'm going to deliver you from the hands of Sennacherib. And then what happens? Hezekiah goes before God and he puts the letter from, from Sennacherib in front of God and he prays to God. He prays on the basis of God's name and God's fame that God deliver them. And that very night, 
That very night, God sends an angel, 185,000 are killed, and God delivers them. Why did God deliver them? Well, before this, Isaiah 36, he said he was going to deliver them. And then Hezekiah prays that God would deliver them. And you know what God says at the end of it? I saved you because you prayed. I saved you because you prayed. Daniel, in the book of Daniel. You know, chapter 9, Daniel's reading in the books. He's reading the book of Jeremiah. It says 70 years till the desolations are completed. The punishment's going to be 70 years. So Daniel, you know, gets out his phone and gets the swipes down, and he, ah, 70 years. We're right at 70 years. God said he's going to deliver us after 70 years. So what does Daniel do? He prays. He confesses sins. At the end of his prayer, he prays that God would restore them. And then the angel comes. And the angel comes to talk to Daniel. And, and the angel says this. It's in chapter 9, about 20, 20 to 23, and chapter 10, verse 12. The moment you began to pray, the command was issued. So did God plan to do it? Yep. Why at the moment that Daniel prayed was the command issued? Because that's how God works. He works through our prayers. We pray and God works. We pray and God works. Don't try to figure the whole sovereignty of God thing out. God works when we pray. God works when we pray. Psalm 116 and verse 2. Because he has inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call upon him as long as I live. It's like God bends down. One of the verses said he bends. Just picture in your mind the Father bending down to listen to our requests. So I want you to turn to Psalm 119. We're just going to do a little lab here. I'm going to pray the Bible. And by the way, the Psalms were given to us partly because uh, for singing. We're to sing the Psalms and pray the Psalms. And because we're emotional cripples, we feel things and we desire things that we should not. Your feelings do not reign supreme in your life. All right? You think, if you think incorrectly about things, you're going to feel incorrectly. Correct? You see the logic? You're going to trust in the wrong things. You're going to hope in the wrong things. And you're going to do the wrong things. So you have to change the way you think and the way you feel. So what is David doing in this prayer? He, he, he starts with, Lord, I'm going to build you a temple. And God says, no, 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 we're going to do this. And then David's in prayer, and he's just overwhelmed. And, his, and he's overwhelmed, and he processes the promise of God, and he asks God, and he pleads with God. And at the end of his life, 2 Samuel 23, 1-5, verse 5 especially, David says, and he was kind of like a failed king, he did some bad stuff. He killed a guy and committed adultery and lied about it. And at the end of his life, as he looks back, he sees God working and God's hand of mercy and grace. And he says, he, I'll paraphrasing it, the thing that kept me going is that his plan is ordered and it's secure. It's ordered and secure, 
and it's for my salvation, and lastly, it's my desire. Those four things. Someone should preach a sermon on those four things. My desire. You see, when we know things and we accept what God has given to us, it changes the way we feel. But how do you get there? How do you get it from your brain to your heart? Because that's a problem, isn't it? By the Psalms, that's what it was given to us for, to help us give proper emotional expression to what's happening. Because we respond wrong emotionally. We're fallen. Our emotions are fallen. The Psalms are given to us to teach us how to take the promises and the surety about God and move it from the head to the heart, to the hope, to the trust, and then to action. So what do you do? You pray the Psalms. I had a conversation with someone once who said they went to all kinds of therapy, Christian therapy, eight years, therapy. And then nothing, nothing changed. I'm kind of changing things a little bit. Nothing changed, and then they said, I went to my therapist, and I said, let's, let's just pray Psalm 119. Change, change your life. Pray the Psalms. Pray the Bible. It'll change your life. We're going to pray Psalm 119 um, as we close. But just a couple things you can do. This is your Bible, and it's your prayer Bible. And I recommend at the back of your Bible, and I have the back, that you, it's all scribbles, I don't know, 10, 12 pages of scribbles with verses and people's names. And so what you do as you're reading, you pray for people, you pray for yourself. You learn from God about your emotional life and your desires, and that's why it was given to us. And the other thing, take your phone, you should turn it off most of the time, but take your phone, and on my phone, I have a calendar. Do you have calendars on your phone? I'd be lost without mine. So three times a day, I have a reminder with an alert to pray, 6 a.m., 1 p.m., 9 p.m. Just put it on your phone. Remind you to pray. The word, in, and when you open your Bible to read it every day, just read it and pray. Read it and pray. Read it in your prayer and pray. So I'm going to do that for you again here, Psalm 119. I want to show you this is not an inspired way to pray, but I'm trying to pray the, the, what the inspired word is speaking. God is speaking to us here, and we're going to, we're going to close with this. Psalm 119. It's, and, it's the longest chapter in the Bible. And every verse, except for two, has three characters. There's God, there's the Bible, and us. So let's pray. Blessed are those whose way is blameless. Lord, I want to have a blameless way, and I don't. And I know it's your blessing. So, Father, as I, I begin to change in my life, as I begin to do the things you called me to do, may I see your blessing. Will you bless me? I want to walk in your law. Help me know what the Bible says. Sometimes I'm just lost. Sometimes it's boring to me, and I know that's sinful, so help me. Now, verse 2, um, I want to keep your testimonies, and I want to seek you with my whole heart. You know, half the time I'm reading my Bible, and my heart's not with 
It's not all there, and I, I keep portions of my life separate from who you are. So, Father, help me to seek you with my own, with my whole heart. Bless me, because I, I know walking in your ways is what I want, and I don't want to do wrong, and I need your help to do that. I, sometimes I want to do it. Would, would, you, would you just lead me in the right way? And Father, convince me that following your way is the way I need to go because I, I know my heart is not that great. And help me to keep them diligently, verse 4. It's your command, and your command is your promise. Verse 5. Lord, please help my ways to be steadfast in keeping your statutes. I need your help. And I know some other folks who need your help too. So I pray for so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And And we have sweet fellowship with you. So, Father, we thank you for David, the covenant, your promise. Help us, help us to pray the Bible in the weeks and months and years ahead. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Christ Community Church of Laguna Hills. For more information and resources from Christ Community, visit us at www.ccclh.org.